Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, May 25th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Deutsche Bank is moving jobs out of the UK, and Emmanuel Macron is facing a balancing act as the French economy emerges from the pandemic. Plus, it's been one year since the murder of George Floyd and a year of protests against systemic racism in the U.S. But as the U.S. economy recovers from the pandemic, will Black Americans see their lives improve as well? Some people said maybe this crisis will be different, but early indicators are showing that white Americans, specifically white men, are the first ones to go back to work. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Deutsche Bank is accelerating its post-Brexit staff changes. Sources tell the FT that Germany's largest lender will relocate about a quarter of its staff out of London. About 100 bankers will be made redundant, and their roles will be moved to the EU and Asia. Behind the changes is the Brexit trade deal between the UK and the EU. It largely overlooked financial services, so some UK-based employees are unable to directly serve clients in the bloc. Some of Deutsche's London staff who can work within the EU can reapply for their jobs, but sources say they'll have to take a 25% pay cut. French President Emmanuel Macron has a bit of a balancing act to perform. His country is reopening from pandemic lockdowns, and economic supports put in place during the pandemic are being scaled back. All the while, he's also starting to think about re-election. The FT's Paris correspondent, Leila Aboud, has more. Macron is running for presidential re-election next May. So you can really feel that he's just trying to make up for lost time, where he kind of feels like his presidential agenda has been thrown out the window during the pandemic. And now he's going to be facing voters in about a year, and he wants to show them not only that he hasn't mismanaged uh, COVID, but then he can try and get things economically sort of back on track. There was a ton of um, aid for workers and for business during the initial period of the crisis, so about a year ago. And just only last month did they say, okay, we're not going to pay 85% anymore, we're only going to pay 70%. And that's going to scale down in the next coming months. Leila, do Macron's decisions matter to the rest of the EU? Uh, what kind of implications do they have? Um, a lot of them. I mean, there's something else which uh, you know is really important that's come out of the COVID crisis in the European Union, which is that for the first time, the 27-member bloc decided they were going to borrow money as a collective in order to pay for a regional-wide recovery plan. So for the first time, they're kind of banding together to do that. And that's a really, really big deal that they borrow together. That's something which is unprecedented for the bloc. So Macron is one of these politicians in Europe who's very pro-European. He's been instrumental to that kind of shift to a more European response to the economic crisis. So he kind of can do whatever he wants here, but there's also a broader debate, which he's part of and and a key actor in, which is advocating for Europe to do more as well. That European stimulus plan is kind of, the promises are there, but it's been sort of slow getting off the ground. So that will be another thing, which will be quite interesting to see probably in the autumn, where France will try and probably convince the Europeans to do even more stimulus or maybe call it something else, call it an investment plan. And, you know, he'll try and bolster his presidential bid by also showing he can do things in Europe. Leila Aboud is the FT's Paris correspondent.
The last time we had our U.S. labor and equalities correspondent, Taylor Nicole Rogers, on the show, it was right after the April jobs report came out. She'd been writing about the U.S. labor shortage, but then she took another look at the report. And something else stood out to her. Well, the thing that struck me the most is that unemployment for Black Americans went up. The overall rate went up, but when you break it down by race, Black Americans were the only group that saw their unemployment rate spike. And Taylor wondered if the recovery from this economic crisis would be any different for Black Americans. We've just had a year of Black Lives Matter protests after the murder of George Floyd, and there's a lot more focus on systemic racism. So I asked Taylor, are Black Americans going to get left behind in the economic recovery like they did in the 2008 crisis? Well, all indications at this point say yes, but we did see something really interesting during the pandemic. Now, under normal circumstances, the Black unemployment rate is about twice what it is for white Americans. But during the pandemic, the rates got a lot closer because this was a new kind of crisis, a crisis unlike anything we've seen since we started tracking unemployment data by race in the 70s. So some people said maybe this crisis will be different, but early indicators are showing that white Americans, specifically white men, are the first ones to go back to work. Of course, there are just so many historical factors here. And and in your story, you quoted a Black Lives Matter organizer in Minnesota who said uh, he didn't think the Black community ever recovered from slavery. And he meant, you know, economically here. Could you expand on, on what he meant by that? Well, the big concern among Black Americans is this massive wealth gap that we have between Black and white families. And while, of course, not every white family is wealthy, White families are more likely to be able to pass wealth intergenerationally, whether that is, you know, a home that they own and are able to pass down to their kids when they pass away, or educational connections they can pass their kids, job connections. Black Americans are much, much less likely to have those. And so it's kind of like you're running the same race, but starting from 30 meters behind. So... We are now at this point in the recovery where there's a lot of fiscal stimulus. In addition to the ongoing loose monetary policy, we have relief spending, possibly big infrastructure spending. You reported on child allowance checks that are going to go out this summer. Could we see something different this time around for Black Americans? I think what a lot of Black Americans are paying the closest attention to is actually the Fed. Now, the stimulus checks and things like that Um, of course, have inequalities built in for a myriad of reasons. Sometimes it's just what data you need to qualify um, to receive a check. But what a lot of Black Americans were upset by after the last recovery is when interest rates went up. Now, on the aggregate level, unemployment was really starting to look better around the time the Fed backed off. But Black Americans weren't at work yet. And Janet Yellen has said that they've learned from this and that they're really going to pay attention to this at Treasury this time around. But of course, we're not yet to the point where it's time for them to back off. So that's what we're really going to be paying attention to. When we decide what full employment is, are we going to consider who went back to work first? Are you hearing any new calls for economic reform ideas? Any thoughts from the Biden administration or from other economists on how to make sure the Black community is included in the economic recovery? 
Absolutely. And a lot of these calls really started even before the Biden administration took office. A lot of people are going to be watching watching the Fed really closely, but people are also calling for reparations in a way that we haven't seen in a really long time. Obviously, the idea of giving Black people some sort of economic um, or social repayment for the trauma of slavery isn't new, but people are saying that this might be the time to do it because all indicators say that Black America was hit harder by the COVID crisis. Taylor Nicole Rogers is the FT's U.S. Labor and Equalities Correspondent. Before we go, we want to tell you about Green Steel. There's a Swedish startup that says it's going to build the world's first large factory for emissions-free steel production. The company is called H2 Green Steel. It plans, by the end of the decade, to produce 5 million tons of emissions-free steel using hydrogen produced with renewable energy, instead of the old way, which involves burning a type of coal called coke. The company has attracted backers from several funds around Europe, as well as the IKEA Foundation and the chief executive of Spotify. Yeah, remember, he's Swedish. They've helped H2 Green Steel raise $105 million in its first round of venture capital financing. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.